John Wesley was a, a theologian, and um, in many ways he, he, he saw and, and tried to institute the importance of, of small groups in, in churches as they grew, and uh, he, he always led with this question, and I, and I love this, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? And this song is a response to that, right? It is well with my soul. And it, and it helps us to lean into that, that truth that external circumstances uh, are not what bring deep peace. External circumstances um, aren't what can, can bring us hope and joy in our lives. So how is it with your soul today? Mm, I love that. Are you thankful for our, our worship group and, and how they lead us every week? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if, if, you're, if you're new, my name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's, it's honored to, I'm honored to, to gather with you in, in worship. And, and what we shoot to do every week is just turn our hearts and our minds toward God uh, to give him our attention because he is worthy of our attention and our focus. And in this world that... Uh, at present moment seems chaotic, uh, it's good to do this, isn't it? It's good for our souls to be reminded of, of who is in charge of all things. Um, hey, before we jump into the message, and we're going to get into James, uh, this is our fifth week, I believe, in, in, the, in the series, and we've got one more week after this week. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can open to James. That's where we're going to hang out for the morning. Uh, but before we jump in there, I, I got to tell you about something that happened yesterday. It was a great day. We had um, our tribe... Uh, the tribe of churches that we're a part of. Now, we're, 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 we're in many ways an independent church. We're autonomous, but we're connected to some other churches, and we're in relationship with them for a number of reasons. Um, but our tribe got together in the state, and we uh, had some business to take care of. But then we got to celebrate, uh, we get to do this once a year, ordinations. And ordinations are simply recognizing and celebrating those that uh, have gone through a process of understanding God's call on their lives. And um, or, ordination, in, in some ways, seems uh, to, to be just a stamp on something. Um, but what it is, is it's, it's a recognition that God has called some and set them aside for certain work within his church. And um, I was so proud of our church because uh, we had three of our pastors being ordained yesterday. Now, ordination, yeah, wow, yes, I love that. Um, um, ordination isn't just saying, hey, do, do you feel called and good? That, that's great. It's three years of work, and it really is work. It's a journey. Uh, theological studies, uh, mentoring from another pastor, journeying with a, a group of like-minded pastors. So these three pastors on our staff have gone through three years and uh, were recognized yesterday. So um, this morning when I walked in, I called all three of them the righteous reverends of the church. So when you see them today, uh, Randy Doe, who's our children's pastor, and uh, Matt Zelich, who is our student life pastor, and Cameron Zelich, who gave announcements just a little bit ago, who's our community life pastor. I, what'd I say? Cameron Lipper. Is that what I said? Cameron, uh, yeah, he just was adopted into the family. Um, Cameron Lipper, uh, community life pastor. Uh, when you see them today, call them reverend just for fun, all right? Let's celebrate them, awesome. So good, so good. So there are moments uh, when, 
when um, we get to a place in Scripture where we're walking, journeying together, uh, that I feel like I'm the last one qualified to speak about it. And just up front, so we're all at the same place, today I feel completely unqualified to talk about what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to let James speak more than me, hopefully, on the subject. Now, just to catch us all up, James, uh, brother of Jesus, For many years of his life, he was a skeptic about who Jesus claimed to be. Uh, But something happened in his life, and and he uh, was captured by the message of Jesus and the truth of Jesus and this this kingdom that God uh, was trying to bring into the world. And in many ways, what, what James is helping us to understand is that there is a different way to be human. Now, I think we can all agree that it would be good for many of us to have a different way to be human. Wouldn't you agree with that? Like as we see the current state of our world, the current state of our country, we need a different way to be human with one another. And in many ways, our pursuits have have created more division, not unity. And Jesus comes along preaching that there's a way to be unified around something greater than yourselves. Uh, What's so interesting about this passage that we're going to talk about today is I think it is so applicable to where we are. And I I don't just mean uh, on a large scale, I mean individually and with our families. I think this is just so applicable. So my prayer today is that we're able to open our hearts and minds to what God wants to do in us and that he gives us um, a, a vision but not just a vision, uh, the, the, the desire to pursue a better way to be human with one another. I heard someone once say, uh, in the case of us versus them, I'm going to stand with them every time, which is an interesting statement. We in, in, in our world tend to create us versus them kind of situations. And I think many way, in many ways, Jesus wanted us to see the world as a we proposition, We're in this together. So James, we're in chapter 4, but when James wrote it, he didn't write the little numbers in the Bible. Uh, And so sometimes the divisions that we find in the Bible with chapters aren't um, actually the the divisions that were probably intended early on. And so I'm going to start in chapter 3, but I promise I'll get to chapter 4. I think it all fits together. He says this, if you are wise... And understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Prove it. If you're wise, if you begin to understand God's ways, if you get a glimpse of who God is, then prove it by living an honorable life. What does that mean, an honorable life? Live in such a way that other people begin to respect you, right? Live in such a way that your dealings, whether they be business dealings, uh, whether they be relational dealings within your household or with your neighbors or with your classmates, live in such a way that is honorable, respectable. And then he adds, uh, part of the way to do this is to do good works, do things that are good for other people. And then he adds this little prepositional phrase, with the humility that comes from wisdom, with the humility that comes from wisdom. And he sets the stage for this week's topic, humility. 
Humility, you know, we've talked about James is always about doing certain things. It's just not, it's not just about knowing it. But I think where he's going here is that humility isn't just something that we do, it's something that we become. We become humble. It's a character issue as much as it is about what we do. And so he begins to, to dig into this. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now just think about this. Wherever there is jealousy and, and selfish ambition, so, so a desire for my, my own wants and needs, for, for me to be at the center, anywhere you find that, you're going to find disorder and evil of every kind. Now would you agree with that? Some are kind of like, yeah, yeah. Are you in? Amen? <laughs> yes. Wherever we tend to put ourselves at the center and want everything to just rotate around us, it's in those relationships, those circumstances, when we can't see from someone else's perspective because ours is the only one that's important, there you will find disorder, chaos. And then he says, evil of every kind. But the wisdom that comes from above is, first of all, uncommon. It's not something that you see everywhere. God's, God's wisdom, uh, the ways that God gives you as, as a new way to be human, uh, this isn't a common thing. It's uncommon. And then he gives us very specific things. It, it's peaceful. So, so it's about promoting peace. It's gentle at all times. And it's willing, willing to yield to others. It's filled with mercy and good deeds. So in the ancient world, humility was not a virtue. Humility was in, in many ways punishment. You were humbled to be punished. You, you, you were no one if you didn't speak up, if, if you didn't take your rightful place. And, and I think in many ways this mirrors our culture Humility, uh, we've, we've lost the understanding of, of humility as, as a virtue, of, of a character quality that, that um, isn't, isn't just important. It's, it's at the core of who God is. Humility. At the core of who God is. Now, doesn't that seem weird to talk about humility when we're talking about God? I mean, God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's worthy of all of our praise but we can never forget that God was the one who chose to put on flesh and blood and enter into our world to set aside everything to become one of us so that we might see and experience pure love. And not only did he step out of heaven, but he was willing to give his life on a cross in the most humbling of all deaths. It's peaceful. It's gentle at all times, and it's willing to yield to others. It's filled with mercy and good deeds. And then we move into chapter 4. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Every time I say quarrels, I don't think I'm saying it right. Quarrels. And then when you say it a lot and you try to spell it, then you think you spelled it wrong. Anybody else deal with that? Quarrels. What is causing quarrels? What is causing fights among you? And then he, he just... He just 
gets after and he says, don't they come from the evil desires that are at war within you? Don't, I mean, the, the fights and, and, the, and the quarrels that you have with the people around you, don't they come from what's going on inside of you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. And you are jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it. James is saying, in this whole context, in this whole discussion about humility, um, James is saying that the reason that we have tension in relationships, uh, we tend to look at others and say, well, it's because of them. But, but James is saying, no, 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 it's, it's something at war within yourself. You want something. You think you deserve something. It's, it's within you, and it causes this tension with other people. Um, I'll never forget uh, a, a marriage counselor. One time I was trying to figure out what's the best way to do marriage counseling, because I'm, I'm not the most um, empathetic person, and I know that I'm supposed to do this from time to time, sit down and, and help people, and I'm not the best and um, I, so I, I was trying to learn as much as I could learn. And one of the things that, that he taught me is he said, if you can help people own their percentage of the problem, no matter how small, you've helped them tremendously. You, you've helped them to humble themselves at a level that they can reconnect with their spouses. And so um, one of the ways that I play this out is uh, in, in conversations with married people who are having issues, I, I draw a circle and say, this is a pie. Draw the percentage of the problem that is yours. And you know what most people do, right? It's like a small piece of the, of the pie, like one or two percent. And so, you know, and, and some people in their humility draw a bigger piece. So that's like 10% because they don't want to look like they, you know, so, so, they, so they, they draw a percent, whatever percent it is. Every now and then some people will like half it and say half of it's my problem. And and I encourage them, okay, can you humble yourself and own whatever percentage it is that you think you contribute to this tension? Because all of us own a portion of the tension that we have with others. And this is what James is bringing up with us. He's saying there's certain things that war within you. You think you, you deserve something, you want something, and you can't have it, and it's causing quarrels and tension. And then there's this statement, and, and James is, is quoting uh, something that's been written before, and he says this, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. And I stepped back and I began to think about this. God opposes the proud. Where else in Scripture does it say that God opposes people? And I'm just racking my mind trying to think, where does... Some of us um, would say we are broken individuals. Like we are messed up. We've got all kinds of issues and baggage that we don't know how to deal with. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that God opposes the broken, right? God welcomes the broken. He invites them. Not only that, he pursues them. His love is relentless, right? He pursues them. It doesn't even say... Um, that, that, I've, that I've really found this strong of language, that God opposes the sinful because God knows that we're all sinful. And some of us would say, um, but I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm one of the worst sinners, right? I, I'm, I'm one of the worst. But nowhere does it say that God opposes the sinful. 
What he does say is that God opposes the what? The proud. Those who have set themselves up in a certain position who can't realize and admit their need for something beyond themselves. God opposes the proud. I, I think pride is, is, is actually uh, the most common sin we all share. If you, if you go back to the very beginning, uh, Adam and Eve, why did they, why did they, you know, the, the story that we have is that they took a, a bite from a, a piece of fruit, an apple is, is how we normally look at that. Um, why did they do that? Because they were tempted to be like who? God, it's this pride, it's this, I want to be something more. I want to be like God. I, I want to set my own agenda. God opposes the proud and favors the humble. And then here's the starting point. It says, humble yourselves before God. So James says, humble yourselves before God. Begin with God. Humble, humble yourselves before God. Because when we do that, when we humble ourselves before God, we, we automatically put ourselves in a position alongside every other human being that exists. We automatically put ourselves in a place, in a position that is a level playing field when we humble ourselves before God. And I think this is one of the most important reasons we gather together on Sundays, to turn our hearts and our minds toward God, to, to humble ourselves before him, to give him our attention, our focus, everything that he deserves. Humble yourselves before God. Um, you know, there's a huge difference between humbling yourself and, and, and being humbled by others. Um, when I was in high school, uh, my 11th grade year uh, on our football team, I, was the, I, I earned the starting position um, quarterback, and I was so excited to step into that position. In Alabama, football, the level, you know, people love football in Alabama, and so I thought, I've arrived, you know, I've arrived. And uh, in our current, or in our, in our high school, the way that it worked is we had a field house down by the football field, and the freshmen cleaned the field house. It was their job. So this is kind of working up the chain. So the freshmen cleaned the field house, and the seniors made it a mess. And so I was a, I was a junior, and I, and I was starting, and uh, the beginning of the football season, uh, coach called me in and he said, he said, Matt, I want you to, to follow me. And, um, you know, I felt pretty good about myself. I was, we're going to be interviewed by, you know, the news or the paper or somebody, you know, and it's going to be fun. And um, we walked to, to the bathroom of the field house, which is about the most, I mean, it's the nastiest place you could probably ever go. <laughs> and he handed me a toilet cleaner. Now, if you've never played football, I mean, a high school locker room is bad enough, but the restroom of the high school locker room is the worst place you could ever be. And he handed me a, a toilet brush, and he said, um, he, he said, you're, this year you're going you're gonna to clean the, the toilets. And I kind of laughed, and I said, I'm not a freshman. You know, that's, that's what the freshmen do. And he said... No, no, you're, you're the quarterback, which means you're going to get a lot of, um, a lot of press time and, and people are going to look at you and, 
you're, you're, you're a big deal, but I want you to remember that you're no better than anybody else on this team. And so I cleaned the toilets. But the problem was, I didn't humble myself. He humbled me. He, he forced me to do something. And if we are to take on the character of humility, it's something that we must choose to do. It's not something forced upon us. So, so James says, humble yourselves before God. And then he says, resist the devil and he will flee. I think what he means here, one of the, one of the things, have you ever been in a, in a certain um, situation, circumstance, and you had um, like, like a good little person on this side and a, and a negative little person on this side, and they were both trying to talk you into doing something, right? And they're like, oh, you know better. You shouldn't do that. Oh, it's no big deal. Go ahead. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Not like real people, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Am I the only one? I think one of the things that, that, that James wants us to see is, is the more we resist the misplaced motives within us, the, the misplaced desires, the voice that tells us that it's okay, when we know it's not okay, when we know it's going to be hard, the, the more that we resist that voice, the more it flees from us, right? Resist, resist the devil, resist that selfishness, and it will flee from you. And then he makes this promise, and Joe this week when we were talking about this, he, he pointed this out. One of the greatest promises in this whole passage is if you come close to God, that's when he comes close to you. That as you, as you humble yourself before God, that then he comes close to you. He joins you. <laughs> Jesus, he made this statement, the, the greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest among you must be a servant. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What does it mean to humble ourselves? How do we, how do, we do that? Uh, Jesus tells a story that I think is helpful to, to get us there. Uh, two, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. Things haven't changed much, have they? <laughs> Those despised tax collectors. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. Yeah, you know, one of the human issues I think that we have is, is that we tend to minimize our own sin and maximize other people's sin. Have you ever found yourself doing that? Like you tend to give yourself more grace than you're ever willing to give anybody else. I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector. But the tax collector stood at a distance. This, I just realized this. This is the first place in Scripture where it says those who sit in the back, standing at a distance, maybe they're the ones, right? So it's good to sit in the back. Good. <laughs> but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. We need more chest beating in our services, don't we? 
He beat his chest in sorrow and he said, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And then Jesus said, who do you think went home justified before the heavenly father? The one who did everything right yet was proud? Or the one who realized his deep need for something beyond himself, something that he did not possess? And he said, I tell you this, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility. Not something we, we just do, it's, it's something that we're becoming. It's, it's a... It's a it's a character quality that reflects the heart of God. It's not common in our world today. Not common in our world today. So I think one of the starting points is here, together, before God, that, that we humble ourselves and that we're honest. That we honestly identify our positions in need of God's great grace and his love. And, and then I think this, what, what we do in this room, becomes reflected in the ways that we interact with each other and the ways that we interact with this world. Not, not forcing our way, not demanding that our voice be heard, even if it should. But we become people, because we realize God's grace and his love, which we all need. We become people who are willing to yield to others. Even if it means we don't get what we deserve, what we think we deserve, what we think we've earned. Um, we're going to sing a song together uh, called... I surrender, and we just thought this would be a good, good moment to, to sing something that reflected the, the desire of our hearts to, to humble ourselves before God. So it's a simple song, I surrender. And, um, and I want to give you a challenge to think about this week, maybe some homework. And sometimes I think we can think ourselves into acting a certain ways, and other times I think we need to act ourselves into thir to thinking a certain way. You know what I mean? So we need to do some things. So I just want to give you something that maybe you could tackle as some, homeworks, as some homework. Three things. Um, the first thing is, is this. Compliment someone you'd normally look past. So someone that you normally maybe wouldn't even notice, that you wouldn't even think about, that you would just pass by. Find something, and I don't mean like false compliments here. Find something to compliment in them and lift them up. Uh, number two, let someone else go first. Let them go first in line. When you're getting gas and there's a long line, just let somebody go in without yelling at them. Uh, in, in a conversation, wherever it is, just let somebody go first, wherever that is for you. And, and the third one, I think this is the hardest. Find a way to serve someone who normally serves you. Find a way to serve someone. And this is going to take some creativity, isn't it? To, to, to find a way to serve someone who normally serves you. Now, 
Now, why would we do these things? Um, Jesus was very clear that, that we live in a dark world. That at, at times it feels like things are out of control. That there's no hope. And he was also very clear that he and then his followers would be a light that shines in the darkness. And he, at one time, he told his, he told his disciples, he said, the way that this world's going to see your light, the way that they're going to know that you're my followers is not that you just show up at a certain place, that you can quote certain things, that you give certain things. The way that they know that you're my followers is by the way that you love each other. Humility. Humility drives us to love other people, to see other people, to hear other people, to stand with other people. Humility moves us to be a light that's desperately needed in this world. Let's stand together and sing this as we, as we close this morning. Father God, you're a good God. And um, God, I am so thankful that you chose to, to humble yourself Though we don't fully understand or comprehend it, that you, you put on flesh and blood and you, you moved into this world, and that you became a servant to all. That even though you had all the privileges, all the rights, you set those things aside. And you gave away your life as the ultimate picture of love and grace and mercy, and hope and peace. God, I pray you would help us to, to humble ourselves. Give us the, the courage, the, the strength to, to make certain choices. And God, I pray that we would make these choices again and again and again so that our character might be formed to be more like yours. And I pray that in, in, in our humility that this world would, would see a light, your light, not ours. I, I pray that this world would see a light that um, is a light of hope. God, thanks for your grace when we need it. We all need it. We pray this in Jesus' name.